This is what's called a stepped wedge cluster randomised control trial. It's actually about making every day really meaningful and purposeful. Even conventional or complementary medicines weren't working for them. Something is going on in the kinds of spaces that we are building. They kept trying to find something else. Think. Think Health on 2SER 107.3. Hi, welcome to Think Health. I'm Jake Morecambe. Well, we have officially transformed into a world where obesity is the new normal. We now have more obese people on the planet than people who are malnourished. So it probably won't come as a shock to you that an estimated 50% of all pregnant women in Australia are overweight or obese when they become pregnant. That means increased health risks for mother and baby and more strain on the healthcare system. Pregnancy is seen as a window of opportunity for mothers to lose weight and to set up for a healthy life post-baby. But as you'll hear today, nobody is sure of the best way to approach weight in pregnancy. Ellen Liebeter has more. It's the sound every new parent gets excited to hear the heartbeat of their soon-to-be baby. The back arm swish is the placenta. So the placenta's, I think her placenta's anterior, so it's just um, in front of the actual baby. So sometimes you can hear the placenta coming through and then the boom, boom, the actual gallop, that's bubba. Yeah. All's well. Thank you. We're measuring, we're measuring fine, so we're only about a centimetre over. Nicole is 25 weeks pregnant and everything is going smoothly so far. But like any first-time mum, Nicole does have her worries. So he's bigger than you. Nicole is right. Big babies are a worry. But what doctors and midwives are really worried about are the mums. More and more research is emerging linking the pre-pregnancy weight of a mother and father to negative health impacts on their child. Basically, if mum and dad are overweight or obese at conception, their children are likely to be as well. Researchers are now looking at pregnancy as a means to break this cycle. In fact, one Sydney hospital has already implemented a program to address issues specific to overweight and obese mothers. It's known as SWING, the St George and Sutherland Weight Intervention Group, run out of St George Hospital in Sydney South. Women who are overweight are diverted into this program where they see their midwife and attend group antenatal classes. And so what have you learned so far in the SWING group? Um, just the, obviously, the healthy eating. Um, I, I tried to be super healthy <laughs> before I even knew I was going to get pregnant. Um, I used to go to the gym five days a week. Um, one thing I did learn through the group was that you can actually exercise throughout the pregnancy. I was really concerned and my GP that I was seeing originally said, oh, you know, just, just, just walk and be healthy. Um, but when I joined, they said that you can actually still continue doing exercise and weights and whatnot so long as you were doing it before the pregnancy. The antenatal classes cover a range of topics, from healthy eating to natural childbirth. And today's class, breastfeeding. We know that some women with, um, that do have a high BMI will actually have a delay in their milk coming in. Okay. Even research hasn't really figured out why that happens yet. 
Women who are overweight or obese are likely to face a multitude of health issues during pregnancy. They are more likely to have gestational diabetes, high blood pressure and caesarean births. Sadly, overweight women are also more likely to experience a stillbirth or neonatal death, which is when a baby dies in the first month after birth. The more you weigh, the higher the risk. Babies' health aside, for women, the extra weight they gain during pregnancy will affect their health into middle age and beyond. Women put on more and more weight during their childbearing years and it tends to be cumulative and it's weight they don't lose. This is Jane Raymond, Acting Manager of Maternity and Newborn in the New South Wales Ministry of Health. That weight that they gain during their childbearing years will of course affect their health in in middle age. So 50% of women are overweight or obese when they first become pregnant and that's the stage where you put on more weight. So Mm. these overweight and obese Mm. women are then gaining even more weight? Yes, that's correct. And so pregnancy now is, is called an independent risk factor for obesity. That's right. The thing we as women were designed to do is making us fat. Move over chips and coke. Pregnancy is the new weight culprit. The problem is two-pronged. Women are more likely to start pregnancy overweight or obese. But also, women across the spectrum are likely to put on too much weight during pregnancy. Jane Raymond's PhD looked at weight in pregnancy and the swing intervention program. Apart from offering all the usual antenatal care and classes, women are weighed at each antenatal appointment, roughly every four weeks for the first few months and then every two weeks near the end of their pregnancy. We have relatively good evidence that this, if women gain within these recommendations, they will have the healthiest pregnancy for their weight. The recommendations Jane is talking about are the Institute of Medicine guidelines. They are used around the world to guide how much weight women should gain in pregnancy. It's based on a woman's pre-pregnancy BMI, or body mass index. Women who are overweight shouldn't gain more than 11 kilos, and obese women not more than 9 kilos. To put that into perspective, a woman of a normal weight should gain up to 16 kilos. These recommendations are to keep mum and bub healthy during pregnancy. Obese women and overweight women will always have more risks during pregnancy than women of normal weight. But if they gain weight within these recommendations, they can lower these risks for themselves and for their baby. It's hard to tell how many programs like SWING are operating around Australia, but it's safe to say they're in the minority. Women who are overweight or obese are usually directed into high-risk antenatal clinics where they see a doctor at each visit because it is expected they will develop complications such as gestational diabetes. They may see a dietitian, that's a support that's out there, but there's often a long waiting list for a dietitian. They may see a physiotherapist, but again it will be a one-off. So there are a very limited number of models of care that are specifically for overweight and obese women. And these models of care are expensive. The benefit of the SWING program is the low cost. Women are getting advice from dietitians and midwives as a group instead of individually. And according to Jane, the women also enjoyed the camaraderie. There's a lot of caring, there's a lot of sharing, there's a lot of networking that goes on. 
women make new friends and they feel over time as they get to know each other more confident to talk about those more intimate issues that that they may want to talk to other women about. And when it comes to the weight, some women in the program manage to gain within the recommended guidelines. If you remember that obese women are only supposed to, according to the uh, Institute of Medicine guidelines, gain between five and nine kilos. And we found that some women in our group actually didn't even gain the five kilos. But some women did. Almost half of the women in Jane's study still gained more than the recommended guidelines. Losing weight during pregnancy goes against everything we've ever heard about what you should be doing in those nine months. Add in cravings and not being able to stomach real foods for weeks or months due to morning sickness. And it's no surprise that it's a tough time to shed the kilos. Well, at first I was horribly morning sick. So at one point there was, I could only stomach Pop-Tarts and I hate Pop-Tarts. I don't like them. <laughs> but for some reason, these dry pastries were the only things I could keep down. So I ate nothing but them. And we're talking like one a day for about three weeks. This is Jean. Hi, I'm Jean. I'm the mother of Dorian, who's 18 months old. Jean always wanted to have children, and after buying their first house, Jean and her partner decided it was time to throw the birth control out the window. We decided that we were going to wait until we bought a house, which we did, and decided, okay, we should probably start trying now, and I think I got pregnant that weekend. Jean was 120 kilos when she first got pregnant, and calculating her BMI, that put her in the obese category. I dropped some of that in the early stages of pregnancy because of morning sickness, which is morning sickness was the best thing for my figure ever. I went down to, I think, about 115 and I stayed around that for quite a lot of the pregnancy and I really only started to put on again towards the end. Was Dorian a good motivation? He was in a way, especially at first he was. As pregnancy goes on, it starts to become very same-same and very sort of, well, this is just what it is and it gets very ordinary. And so, and it's like anything else, when things become ordinary, that's when the bad habits start to come back. So I think by the end, I wasn't doing as well as I was at the beginning, but I was still doing better than I had been before pregnancy. Jean's obstetrician occasionally weighed her throughout pregnancy. Because Jean ended up with gestational diabetes, she was also referred to an endocrinologist. The endocrinologist gave Jean a list of good foods to eat, told her she should be trying to lose weight. But he also said that it, being pregnant is not the best time to start cutting down on things dramatically because obviously you want to make sure your baby gets all the nutrition it needs. So he was the one who basically said, focus on eating well, um, eating the right foods and don't overeat, but don't worry too much about losing weight at this point. It's the counter argument in this debate, with some researchers suggesting it's a futile exercise trying to get women to lose weight during pregnancy. On this side of the fence is another Jane, Jane Sandal, who is critical of research that solely focuses on a woman's weight and doesn't examine clinical outcomes like stillbirth and perinatal loss. Jane is a professor of social science and women's health at King's College in London and an adjunct professor at the University of Technology, Sydney. The problem with looking at gestational weight gain is that there's no evidence that more or less gestational weight gain has any impact on important clinical outcomes. Jane was part of a trial in 2015 known as the Upbeat Trial, which looked at reducing the amount of weight obese women gained in pregnancy and comparing it to those clinical outcomes. 
it found there was no difference in clinical outcomes between the control group and the intervention group who were supported to lose weight. Although there was a significant impact on weight gain, so the women who had been in upbeat did gain less weight, there wasn't a significant impact on the end points, which was macrosomic baby and the development of gestational diabetes, which is the thing we're really worried about. In Jane's opinion, the mixed messages we send women during pregnancy about their weight gets a bit confusing. You're asking women to put on a bit of weight, but not too much weight, which is difficult. The motivation of weight loss is such an important motivator. And I think with pregnancy studies, you're not aiming for weight loss, you're aiming for not quite so much weight gain. So it's not the motivation that you get for a non-pregnant population. You're also trying to undo years of bad habits in nine months. Here's Jean again. When I was very, very young, and I'm talking maybe three, four, five, my grandmother cooked me a dinner and I wouldn't eat it. So she cooked me another dinner and I didn't eat it. So she cooked me a third dinner and I didn't eat it. So she gave me a bar of chocolate so at least I was eating something. That basically, you can understand where my relationship with food came from. And I'm trying now to relearn habits, but it's so hard to learn later in life. And I think if the families don't teach a child how to eat properly, they're largely screwed. In addition, pregnant women just aren't getting the message that they need to watch their weight during pregnancy. We've done some recent research and we've found that actually women aren't really aware of these guidelines. Kirsten Black is the Associate Professor and Joint Head of the Discipline of Obstetrics, Gynaecology and Neonatology at the University of Sydney. Those who started pregnancy overweight and obese were the least likely to accurately estimate their appropriate weight gain. Kirsten also agrees that pregnancy is not the right time to start losing weight. Once they're already pregnant, it's too little too late and you really need to make the changes to weight before pregnancy if you're going to see, potentially see better outcomes. So if trying to get women to minimise their weight in pregnancy doesn't work, what does? Kirsten is an advocate for weight intervention preconception for potential mothers and fathers. Essentially, it would be to see women before they conceive to identify any health or family medical history, to provide them with information about dietary and lifestyle changes, about the need for vitamin supplementation, and obviously see them with their partners as well because the increasingly uh, it's likely that the, the father's health and weight could potentially impact on the health of the baby as well. But even this has its downfalls. Kirsten acknowledges that half of all pregnancies are unplanned. Women do exactly what Jean did. Let's just give this a shot and see what happens. If they are a normal, healthy woman, they're not going to their GP to talk about their plans to get pregnant. Which leaves one more window of opportunity after the baby is born. Here's Jean again. It became more of a priority in terms of I want to be healthier, I want to be around for Dorian, I want to be able to play with him, I don't want to be the mum sitting on the sidelines waving going, yeah, yeah, that's nice, honey, you know, pant, pant, pant. 
um, which, you know, I, and I kind of, I can do some of the things I want to do with him, but not all of them. And some of it's things you don't even think about, like sitting on the floor or kneeling on the floor is uncomfortable because there's a lot of weight on my knees. And I'm like, well, that's just pathetic. So, <laughs> so I'm trying to lose weight and it, it's, it's a long process, but that, that's sort of my motivation. Although both pre- and post-conception weight loss are areas that need more research. Jane Sandal and Kirsten Black have plans to research these areas of intervention. For what it's worth, Jean says having Dorian has played a big part in motivating her to lose weight. In fact, she's taken a drastic step to reduce her weight. The main thing I had was a, a gastric band, so that's quite normal. That's where they put a silicon band around the, the top of the stomach and they fill that with fluid and as it, the more it fills, the less room there is for food to go through. And so afterwards, like, what, what happens? How much can you eat? Uh, at first, very little. And I think that's partially because everything's still kind of healing and you're feeling a bit tender and kind of sorry for yourself. <laughs> um, and it's one of these things that I can't eat large portions now, which is fantastic. I can't eat an entire pizza, which is fantastic. Jean had her surgery in September 2015. So far, she has lost 20 kilos. Do you worry about that message you're sending to Dorian? as well um no because the message i want to send to dorian is that you do what you have to do to be healthy and it's, it's never been about looks it's always been about health so i want to encourage him to eat right and i want to encourage him to be to have the healthiest body he can and so if when i'm talking to him when he's older about this surgery which i, I know i will i want to say to him that if that's what i had to do to be healthy and to be there for you, then I was willing to do it. Jean wants to lose another 30 kilos. She's hoping it will make life easier for her when she and her partner eventually decide to try for baby number two. Uh, yeah, so we, uh, we're, we're considering having a second child and I definitely want to be in a better place medically for that. If I could avoid being on insulin, if I can avoid gestational diabetes, that's better for me, that's better for the baby, that's less medical care needed. I would definitely like to try and avoid that the next time around. A 2013 study found it cost the health system an extra $5 million in hospital costs for obese mothers in pregnancy compared to women of a normal weight. If you think about this in purely economic terms, bariatric surgery may be a cost-effective solution. But these women are more than just numbers. And when it comes to overweight and obese women, you're trying to target eating habits, exercise and genetics in the space of nine months. It's not easy. Programs like Swing that educate women about healthy lifestyles should have a place during pregnancy for all women. We can also do more to remind women to see their GP before they start planning a family. And there is value in encouraging women to be healthy after pregnancy to set a good example for their growing children. Pregnant women are just one part of the picture when tackling obesity in Australia. There's still a lot more work that needs to be done to change our waistline. I have said he will not grow up with my food habits if it kills me. And I'm much more strict with him than I am with myself even now and I'm trying to lose weight, but he is not allowed sweets. He's allowed cake when it's somebody's birthday. 
and yet he he's, he's had tw- cake twice in his life and he loves it it's scary <laughs> um, he he has fruit and greek yogurt for his morning and afternoon tea treats other than that he eats um food with vegetables he eats wheat bix for breakfast he's as healthy as i can make him Ellen Lee Beater with that story. Thanks for listening to Think Health. If you like the show, make sure to visit our website, 2scr.com forward slash thinkhealth. We're also available as a podcast. Search for us on your favourite podcast app. We're also available on iTunes. If today's program has raised any questions, go see your GP. Think Health is a collaboration between the University of Technology Sydney and 2SER. I'm Jake Morkham. Thanks for your company.